think whatever energy we harness in our life, we take with us in the spirit world. And that's been my experience. If you're a kind and loving person in your life now, then that will come through in the spirit world as well. And just with my brief encounters, this is what I've experienced. I don't know, this is a strange thought, but I think we can come and go. Some spirits all can come and go. They can be in the world that they're in and they can be in our world. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of sacred journeys, spirit encounters, near-death experiences, angels, mysteries, marvels and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary people reveal their extraordinary encounters. I acknowledge the Darawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land of Sutherland Shire in Australia, where I live and record Spirit Sisters, and I recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters and community. I pay respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. I'm so happy to be back after a long break and I'm so grateful for your patience and your lovely messages. I experienced a bit of a challenging time towards the end of last year and so I felt I had to kind of press pause on the podcast and a few other things in order to look after myself. I've re-emerged now with nothing but gratitude for the opportunities that I've had to really examine my thoughts and the way that they can spiral in harmful ways and to find better ways to to cope with those thoughts and to turn them around. So on that note, I just thought I'd quickly share something for anyone listening who might also struggle with rumination and unhelpful thoughts. It's an offering from the Netflix documentary Stutz. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It explores the teachings of a psychologist who works with the actor Jonah Hill. Stutz says, do you want to be right or do you want to create? To me, that just struck me as so powerful because I've found that if I'm stuck in old stories down the ego rabbit hole, I'm not attending to my soul, to the spirit, to the activities that fire up my soul, like doing this podcast. And so, in the spirit of creating and healing, I'm so pleased to share this episode with you this week. My guest is Chrissy, a teacher specialising in well-being who lives in Victoria. Chrissy has had a lifetime of fascinating encounters with the spirit world, and we're concentrating on three key stories in this episode. From a heart-stopping brush with a spirit man when she was a little girl, to the chilling yet poignant experiences of her adult years, Chrissy draws us close around the virtual fireside today as she explores the defining spiritual encounters of her life. Of these, there's one in particular that Chrissy will never forget. It involves a pair of siblings searching, so sad, searching for their parents in Victoria's historic Ballarat region. There's an intriguing postscript to this story which also offers clues as to the identity of the children. Chrissy recently discovered that there had been an orphanage built in 1865, just minutes away from where she was staying when she'd met the children. I'll be posting more about this on social media, so check out my Facebook page and Instagram page for that. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Chrissy, who tells the story of spirits who dwell in the threshold between worlds. Welcome to Spirit Sisters, Chrissy. Thank you. Hello, and how are you? I'm very well and it's lovely to see you face to face because we've had a few chats over the phone and we've had lots of email correspondence and uh, we haven't met yet or seen each other so I'm, I'm back to Zoom for this interview so one one benefit is that I get to see you which is fantastic. Yes no it's good it's good to be able to see face to face. It is so Chrissy, you wrote to me after listening I think to some of my ghost files episodes and you have got an absolutely brilliant little treasure trove of stories to share with us one in particular that I cannot wait for our audience to hear and 
I love your stories because they kind of turn the classic ghost story upside down and give us a new way of looking at them. And you've had these experiences since you were a little girl. So I'd love to begin, if this is okay with you, with you sharing with us sort of your first memories or your first understanding that there was a world beyond our physical realm. Well, I probably, from early childhood, since about seven or eight, I've had experiences. And I guess that came from my father, who is very spiritual himself. He was married. Um, and so he liked a, a ghost story and he would tell me things that had happened to him in his childhood and I'd listen and go, wow, you know, that's amazing. Um, and so I guess we shared that, that, those experiences with each other. Yeah, from seven or eight years of age, I, I became aware of things that were happening in our house that um, were a bit odd, I thought at the time, and a bit strange. So our house in Adelaide was very old. It was probably built in the 1900s, maybe even earlier. I'm not sure of the exact date. But we moved there in the sort of late 70s, just before I started prep. And there was no issues to begin with, but uh, really probably started with little things that sort of were starting to occur that I noticed and I mentioned to my dad. So do you want me to go down that track? I would love you to. And, and um, as you're talking, I'm thinking that age, seven, eight, is a really yeah. key age to begin experiencing these things and also to begin yeah. questioning life and what's what it really is all about. I feel that I hear, it certainly was the case with me, and I feel like I hear that within, you know, this podcasting community, the spiritual community, or just just within, you know, yeah. friendships yeah. in general. Like this is a key age. It is. Yeah, I find that interesting too. And it's one of the things I picked up in your podcast was that a lot of people started to experience around the same age. And I was like, that's me too. Yeah. So going back to the to our house in Adelaide, um, it started initially with hearing footsteps um, at all sort of odd times. And I kind of thought they were a bit odd. You know, it was sort of like during the middle of the night and they sounded sort of like through the house or outside the house sometimes. And they sounded like running steps. So it was just very simple. I just sort of thought, God, that's weird though to, you know, be running so late at night. You know, it would be sort of like sometimes 8.30, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. I'd hear these running steps. And um, I mentioned it to my father and I sort of said, I'm hearing these steps outside, you know, like someone running outside my window or down the hallway, you know, and he'd actually had picked up on it as well. So I remember one night we heard the footsteps again and I actually called out to my dad and sort of said, can you hear that, Dad? Can you hear the footsteps? And he actually ran out the front of the house to see if there was anybody around running and there was nobody there. And, you know, it sounds odd, you know, and we didn't really, you know, make a big issue of it, but we thought it was unusual. And then basically from there, that's where things started to get a little bit weirder. It's like a, a door opening and things started, other things started to happen. I guess it was pretty soon after that that I had my experience uh, where I saw a man in my cupboard. Tell us about that. Uh, we just refurbished the house. We were doing a lovely redecoration, you know, as you do remodelling in the 80s. Uh, we were wallpapering and all sorts of things. So my mum had bought me a bunk bed and it had a cupboard underneath and I've sent you a photograph of it. And I had, you know, set it up to have all my dolls in um, so I was seven or eight at the time. And I'd set up a little mini tea party, you know, setting with a chair and table and it was you know it was not tiny but um you, you could get in there and uh, maneuver around so I had my dolls in there and um I remember I was playing around in my room and I looked up uh, into the cupboard and I saw very clearly a man sitting in the cupboard staring into space he wasn't looking at me he was just directly looking forward he was very like deep in thought he had a, a, a darkish suit on. He looked olive skinned, you know, like my complexion with the dark hair and had a moustache. And it was only for a microsecond, but I looked up and I kind of gone, oh, and I was so startled that I sprinted down out of the room, out, down to the hallway, out the back door near our shed area and just stood there and went, did I just see? what I just saw you know like it was it was kind of a you know did I imagine that 
and I sort of calmed myself down and I was thinking, okay, well, I'm going to go back and I'll check. I didn't say anything to my parents because I thought, this is crazy. I must have imagined it and I've gone back in there and there was no one there. But I didn't play in the cupboard again <laughs> after that. So, yeah, I kind of shut it up. It was like... Doo, doo, doo. And you really never played. It sounded so cute. That, and I will share with your permission the photo with the listeners so on my social yeah. media pages so that they can see and get a sense of how how snug the space was and, mm, mm. and kind of how how startling, as you said, how startling it must have been for you to see a full-sized man mm. sitting in my cupboard. Wedged, wedged <laughs> in there. Yeah, so how was yeah. he sitting sort of with his knees up or...? Yeah, on my little seat that I'd put on. Like right. I'd had a little, I don't know, I'd made some sort of box seat and, you know, just in front of the table and he was just sitting at the table. Um, he wasn't, yeah, like I said, he wasn't looking at me. He was staring directly straight ahead, like he yep. was pondering something or thinking of contemplating. In my experiences, I don't see any vivid colours. So it's either light or dark. So he yep. looked like a dark suit. Okay. And you yeah. mentioned that he had olive skin like yours. Did you? Yeah, ever- he didn't. Yeah, so obviously in this moment of being a little girl, you wouldn't, I don't think you would have thought this, but later, did you come to think, could that have been an ancestor? I know the ancestors are so uh, profound, you know, it's it's very key in the Maori culture, I think, to honour the ancestors. Is that right? Yeah, it could, you know, like it's a possibility. Everything is a possibility. You know, as an adult now, that's got me thinking. But um, as a child, I thought he was unrelated. I didn't know this man. Um, I didn't see, I think I felt like he was almost, you know, looking back now, like he was European of descent, you know, that sort of Italian look, which could be, you know, we're very, Maoris uh, and Italians can look very similar in effect. Potentially he was somebody associated with your old home. You said it was a very old home. I felt like it was, yeah, Yeah. like he uh, he was associated with it or, you know, it would be nice to think that um, maybe it was an ancestor of mine looking after us or yeah. being there, but yeah, I did. I didn't feel. I, I didn't feel at the time it was that. Okay. Did you tell your parents about it? No, I never did. I never did. Um, I left it. Uh, I remember being sort of. I thought I convinced myself that it was my imagination. Um, although you know we'd 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 already had the experiences with the footsteps. I, I just sort of thought, no, I must have imagined it. But I know I was very uh, wary after that. I didn't want to see anything else again. So I, I remember being, I was a fairly shy and introverted child uh, during child, during my childhood. You know, like I, if I wanted to talk about something, it would take a lot of effort to yes. bring it up. So I was, uh, I remember in my room on the bunk bed, I put a pillow up against the safety guards so that, you know, if I woke up in the middle of the night, I didn't see anything. Yeah. I had a nightlight as well. I'd started turning on the nightlight because I didn't like the dark and I was worried that, you know, I'd, I'd wake up and see something move in the room. And I, I remember I was terrified. I never went down. If I woke up in the middle of the night and needed to go to the toilet, I held on all night. <laughs> <laughs> terrified of going down that hallway because it was very creepy nighttime. So, yeah, it was, a like I said, a very old house. You know, the floorboards creaked and... An actual fact, I think I told you this previously, uh, when we were renovating um, the kitchen area, we lifted up the floors and um, we actually found a cellar mm-hmm. underneath the kitchen um, floor. So it was, and when we climbed down in there, we found a, an old lady's uh, old fashioned lace up boot. You so, did tell me that, yeah. Mm, so the mm, lace up boot, that's kind of, I think, off the top of my head, mm. kind of the Edwardian period. Mm, yeah, Very old yeah. shoe. <laughs> Yeah, so we, I don't know what we did with the boot either. We should have kept it. So yeah, the real relic. And I'm glancing at your notes as I talk to you because you've written to me that after that, things just got mm. weirder. What happened? Yeah, so there was lots of wake-ups in the night. Like, and I was a really good sleeper. And I wake up in the middle of the night. There were dark shapes and shadows. I remember one night in particular, I woke up and... I thought what was was shadows from the you know my little light light night light was casting on the wall, but they didn't look right, and then they seemed to move across the wall. And I remember being absolutely terrified and thinking, um, you know, is this another strange thing that's you know that is happening again? And I remember watching these shapes 
and they just didn't, you know, they didn't look right going across the room and moving around the edges of the walls and over my, over my um, shelf, my shelves. And um, I think in the end, I was so terrified, I just pulled the covers over my head and went back to sleep and thought, I'll just put push past this I can't I'm not going to wake anyone the other thing the other little things that sort of happened there were just like things like uh my toys a couple of my toys would be moved around I remember one night uh it was a very hot night and so my dad had put um, a fan up on top of my wardrobe so that it could get me at the you know reach me at the bunk bed and I woke up and this is why I don't think that these spirits were meaning any harm I think they were just there they were part of the house I woke up this night anyway and I uh, looked at the fan and it just stopped stopped dead and I thought oh that's a bit strange I'll tell dad about that in the morning and let him know my fan's broken however I was watching and it started to glow in the center and I never usually you know uh, woke up in the middle of the night this was just strange that I'd you know woken up Usually, like I said, slept through pretty well. And it started to glow and eventually I could see like a match flame behind it. And I thought, oh, my God, the fire, you know, the fan is on fire. And I still think to this day that something woke me up in time because um, this is in the time of the 80s. I don't know whether you know about the Maxwell fans. They mm -hmm. had a history of setting a light. So this is at the time when no one knew that this was happening and a lot of people, a lot of families died having these fans on and they set a light. So we had to get rid of a whole heap of them in the end because there was a, a note from the factory to sort of say, yeah, we've got to get rid of all these Maxwell fans. I knew that night from then on I thought this is not a bad ghost if he's or she's looking after me to wake mm -hmm. me up in time just before my fan set on fire. So I was able to call out to Dad and he was able to come and grab them. And it did. It literally just went boom. Up oh in flames, and if, if that had been a second later, I might not be here talking to you today, Karina. That's chilling, Chrissy. My gosh. Mm, mm. So that was there was just things like that, instances that you kind of go, "Wow, okay," and you know, there's nothing really much you can do with them except sort of accept them and go, "Well, that's strange," and um, yes, you know, that's definitely um, a theme of my work over the years, <laughs> and that it yeah. just that people just keep on living they just keep on living it's not it's not the hollywood you know run for the hills leave the house in the night although i have no. spoken to people that have had to do that but that is wow. certainly more on the anomalous side like it is usually yeah. just oh well wake up next day and you know go to coles and you know vacuum as usual like <laughs> go to work you know we just keep living through the strange yeah. experiences uh, well, it's not until opportunities like this that you get to speak about things, you know, that had happened. It, it's not an everyday conversation. Like I wouldn't go to school and say, hey, guess what happened to me last night? Yes, <laughs> or, you know, I saw a strange man in my cupboard. <laughs> it's not, yeah. And you said you went to Catholic school as a child, but it very yeah, much yeah. was not to do with uh, the faith of your family. Your mum was an atheist, you told me, and, and dad had his Maori spirituality. But was that a big part of your childhood, his spirituality, or was that more of an in-the-background thing? Probably in, a, in the background sort of thing. You know, I was interested, but, um, you know, and we, we would talk about things, but not, yeah, not a focal point. And you yeah. had an experience. So your dad passed away in 1986, so you would have been quite young. Yeah, I was 13. That was obviously, it was like a bomb going off in your house. I'm, I'm just reading your notes here, Chrissy. But then yeah. something happened about two or three days after he passed away. Can you tell us about that? Sure. This one's close to my heart. So, yeah, at the, at the time we were obviously very distressed after because he died suddenly. It wasn't expected. He was a, a young man, fit, and he passed away very suddenly. A couple of days later, it must have been after his funeral, maybe, because uh, he died on the Tuesday. We had the, things were a bit quicker then, and he had the funeral on the Thursday. Yes, yeah, so it must have been over the weekend. I had a dream, and a dream where he 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 was in the lounge room, and I went down I saw him sitting in the chair and I was really excited to see him and um, he explained that he couldn't be there for very long he just wanted to let me know 
that he was okay and he was happy where he was. It was a very short uh, dream. It was very brief, but I feel like it was a, a visitation from him to say that he was okay. I was really excited in the dream. I was just saying, hang on, just let me get my mum, get mum and, and Liz, you know, and I wanted to bring them and he's going, no, no, I don't have time for that. I just want to let you know that I'm okay and everything's good where I am. So, and that was just the message of the dream. And I woke up from that dream and I felt very at peace and happy to know mm. that he was okay. Again, just going back to many other interviews I've done, that is the overriding message of those after-death communication dreams. Mm. They, yeah. they leave the the person who's grieving the experiencer with a with a deep sense of peace, which I imagine is so welcome in that moment. Mm. And I, I think, yeah, because of our connection, we were very close. I feel like that's you know, it was a way of sort of reassuring me that it was okay because um, I remember I was, you know, obviously a very awful time and trying to settle myself and, you know, go back to school and um, help mum out at home. So just a very uh, dark time. Oh, I can't that was, imagine. That was nice to have it. Yes, and he was sitting in his favourite chair, I remember you said as well. Yes, he Dream. was, yeah. That was that was um, very key in the in the dream. So um, I like to think that it was a visitation, that it was more than just a dream. But I know after that, too, because we had a, a cat, the cat would always be around that chair, and the cat was lost for a few days, just walking around, meowing into space. And that was Dad's cat. And I know oh. after two later on, it seemed to settle the house. I found things in the house settled. There was less um, goings on less things you know such as the footsteps and things moving around he must have come in and settled things for us he had a word <laughs> he had a word maybe he's going to move out it's my territory <laughs> okay so now I think tell me what you think of this shall we move on to when you were around 17 because that seems to be about the phase the next sort of stage in these in these experiences for you and they kind of upscale a notch now don't they they do. Now, I wasn't in the same house. So after that, I from during my early teens, I didn't really have a lot of issues with, you know, dreams or encounters or anything like that. So there was a period in my life where it was fairly quiet. I don't know whether that was just, you know, a stage I was going through or, you know, my mind sort of being too busy with other things. But probably around 17, we'd moved house by this stage to another place in Adelaide and um, uh, I was at the end of probably year, year 12, end of high school um, and the dreams started. Uh, this is the period of my life where I started having dreams of different people, different energies uh, standing at my bed. Generally it scared the crap out of me yeah. and I didn't know how to handle it at the time, you know, and I just took it as bad dreams and, um, yeah, I, I thought they were just sort of experiences that were maybe I was a bit stressed. So I was looking into it that way and I was a bit confused about. But they were, what was really strange about them was that they were all different people. At first, and at first, the first one I had in my house, my new house, it was not even... Um, it was shaped like a body, but it wasn't, it didn't have any features or clothing that I could see. And um, it was wandering around my room and ran down, uh, sorry, sorry. And when it noticed that it was, uh, I was looking at it, it, you know, pounced on me. Yeah. So that, that was quite frightening. And I've sort of jumped up and gone, oh my God, you know, what's that? So that was the start of it all. And then I started having not regular, but, you know, dreams here and there of different people, men, women, not many children, usually adults at this stage. If I can just backtrack a little bit, because one thing that I've made note of here, which I thought was fascinating, you you did write to me about the shape that was in the face of a, a sorry, in the, a, in the shape of a person, but You've also written to it's, me that it was static. It was static, like a static yeah. And I found that so interesting because right. back when in my own home, many years ago, we lived in an old little Californian bungalow and my husband began to see some, some spirits. Mm. I never saw them. He saw full manifestations and they were, you know, clear as day. 
whereas I didn't see them, but I felt the static in the air and it was like, I'd describe it as the air before a thunderstorm, like that kind of feeling. And that was me. And then with all of the people, I'm sorry, not all, many of my interviewees uh, throughout the years in my books telling me about such Mm. experiences, I noticed Mm. one common denominator was this feeling of static and, Mm. you know, your hair standing on end, some bristly kind of feeling on the skin. And I thought that's really interesting. What is this? There's something here with this static. Yeah, Yeah, Mm. well, that was the only uh experience where I had where the shape was static after that they turned into full form adults Mm. so um it's interesting isn't it Uh, that yeah the the shapes and the different things even as a child where I saw shadows you know in the room sort of moving across so um, there seems to be an evolution in in the way you're you're seeing them and then they now come to they we're coming to see full form soon But I just wanted to ask, so with these experiences that you began to see, so for instance, this um, figure moving around your room, so you described them as dreams, but would you say now that it could have been that you were awake and seeing this and you just categorised it as a dream because that's easier? Yes, definitely. I would, I'd class them as dreams and that's why I looked into, you know, dreams about uh, you know, people standing over you, whether it meant something subconsciously, I was looking at it from that angle. Um, even though there was a little bit of me that, you know, kind of went, this is very bizarre and trying to get my head around it. But, you know, again, it was um, late, uh, early 90s and there was, there was still that sort of stigma about the spiritual world. Mm. You know, you don't even see sort of ghost stories being sensationalised on TVs. It, was, it wasn't something that you kind of, that I kind of went, okay, I'm, you know, I, am, I have someone to talk to about it, you know, and relay ideas. So when I heard your podcast and I heard people talking about their experiences, I was going, this is some of the things that happened to me. I'm glad about that because this whole, the purpose of all of this is to create a sense of community, whether it's through my writing or through my podcast. So people don't feel alone with these stories. Well, you know, the other thing is too, there's, in my experience, there's two types of people. There are people that, like you, that are open to it and go, wow, that's, you know, that's so interesting. And, you know, have you thought about the possibilities of it being this and that? Um, And then there are other people that were just like, that's nonsense, you know, you know, you're imagining things, you know, I like to take away that there's part, you know, this is something that's unusual that um, that's happened to me. And um, I think it's a lot deeper than what I initially thought. Yes. And so are there any of those particular experiences with seeing the people standing over you looking at you that have really stuck in your mind that you'd like to tell us about? I guess there's two experiences. Uh, So the experience I had in Ballarat, with the two children and also another experience, which we can, if we've got time, I'll, I'll yeah. share. Um, these two experiences stand out because I was able to verify. Um, I guess, you know, in my mind, I, I felt like I had to prove that they were true. They weren't just dreams at the mm-hmm. time. So these experiences, I was able to sort of make some connections and realise uh, I don't think this is a coincidence. I think these actually, this might be something a bit more unusual. One of the experiences that I had was in Ballarat and this one was uh, a fairly strong experience for me because it was one which I was able to um, verify, you know, that it actually happened. So anyway, to start at the beginning, um, I was, with my previous partner and we were staying uh, with his brother and his wife in their new home in Ballarat, which wasn't far from Sovereign Hill. That gives you a a bit of an idea. And the first night I I was there, I had a dream again, where the dreams where I wake up and I see people. And in this particular night, I saw a young girl at my bedside uh, looking at me. Now, when I saw her, I've done my usual thing, which is sit up in the bed and scream my head off, which is quite often how the dreams ended because it was it's like, oh, my God, who is this person? And I woke up my partner and he's sort of like, oh, my God, are you all right? I'm going, oh, I just had a bad dream. I saw this little girl. And he's like, oh, that's all right. Don't worry. Go back to sleep. You'll be okay. And I thought nothing of it. I sort of went back to sleep and thought, okay, no worries. Um, 
anyway, you know, the next morning I sort of kind of laughed it off and said, you know, are you okay? You know, I hear you off the ceiling, you know, after screaming, waking you up last night. Um, and we kind of laughed it off and didn't think anything of it. I didn't mention it to um, uh, his brother or, her, you know, um, and his wife. We just left it. Anyway, the second night um, I was there, again, the same thing happened. And I saw a young girl. She had blonde hair. I could only see her really in one colour. So she looked like she was wearing a white kind of nightgown and it looked like she had light hair looking at me. And just as I was about to do my usual scream the place down, I just felt an intense, like calming that, you know, when you sort of just go into a relaxed state and everything just sort of not frozen, but just everything relaxed. And I felt really peaceful and calm. And I remember looking at her and her energy was that she was looking for her parents. And because I was able to focus a little bit more and not be so panicked, I could sort of, you know, look down and I noticed that there was a little boy as well with her at, you know, I could only really see his head and I sort of looked down and because I was in a calmer state, I could take more things in. Um, so, yeah, and that was, it was a very short interlude, but I just felt that she, her energy was saying to me, I'm looking for my parents. And that was that. I woke up the next morning. I kind of thought, wow, that's really strange that two nights in a row I've had a dream about this young girl. Then that day we, uh, my, my partner went off with his brother and they had an outing, whatever. And me and Janine, the brother's wife, went off to a day spa and we had a, a lovely day. And anyway, we drove, as we were driving back, I, I kind of was talking to her and I sort of said, oh, you know, um, and made mention, I asked her whether she thought her place was haunted. And um, she's gone, oh, why? I kind of explained to her what had happened in the two previous nights. And she went deathly quiet. And I thought, oh, no, I shouldn't have mentioned anything. She's going to think I'm nuts. And I sort of said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, don't worry about it. And she's going, no, 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 I'm only going quiet because I've actually had the same experience. My recollection uh, when I explained it to you originally was that she'd experienced hearing noises of feet you know like running through the house she'd heard children she, in the garden she'd heard children yeah she'd heard and she thought it sounded like they were playing but she couldn't you know work out like there was no children to either side of her living on either side of the house houses that she was you know that she could see and she thought it was just very odd and then you know there would be like sounds in the kitchen basically mm. of, of footsteps going through so that's my recollection of it when she was explaining however so after I explained that to you, you were sort of uh, um, relayed that, you know, could you think of whereabouts in Ballarat? And I was thinking, gosh, I can't think of the address. It's like I said, nearly 27 odd years ago. So I, I knew that probably I'd be able to find her on Facebook and um, it really was, it's been a long time, you know, 93, I think I last spoke to her, broke up with that partner. And so you just kind of lose touch anyway. I contacted her through Facebook and I, I didn't know whether she'd respond. And anyway, I messaged her and just said, hi, Janine, do you remember me? Um, I, you know, and I, I kind of told her the reason why I was contacting her was that, you know, the experience I had in her house and I didn't go into detail because I thought I don't want to sort of preempt anything, but I just sort of said, and she she messaged me back amazingly and sort of said um yes of course i remember you and uh yes you've confirmed you know you know you confirmed that there was a little child in my house and then i've written back and sort of sort of said yes it was a boy and girl and then she's relayed her message and her experience of what she experienced in the house and i had forgotten her total recollection of it all do you want me to go into that? Yes, please, because when I read that, when you shared it with yeah. me in email, I just, it was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> tell us. I, what I, felt, it, I, I felt a bit sick. I felt a bit sick at the time when she actually, you know, kind of went. Yeah, my recollection was that she hadn't seen the children. So when she wrote back, she messaged back, she said, yes, I, uh, I too seen the boy and the girl in the house. 
And as far as I know, you and I are the only ones that experienced them. And pretty much after that, there was nothing, she said nothing else happened. But her experience was that she was one night in her bedroom. Um, she heard some footsteps or um, something wobbled or something in, in the kitchen that would oh, indicate that someone was... Yeah. And she's let's let's let everybody know that Janine has given us permission, hasn't she, to share? Yes, she has. I checked to see whether that was okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually going to find it and read it if that's all right with you. Yes, do a bit about uh about it because it's so amazing. Chilled me to the bone when she sort of kind of said it. I just went, Oh my gosh, did you really? Okay. I'm just actually looking for it because it was, and this was another lovely aspect of, of this story with the children is that they've, you and Janine have reconnected and it's this beautiful warm exchange in, and I love it. She's written, Chrissy, I too saw the boy and the girl. They made the kitchen hutch in the dining room wobble. It was on a loose floorboard. And if you moved past it, then it would wobble. I sat bolt upright in bed, sure that someone had broken into the house. She screamed out to her partner if it, if it was him and there was no reply. I armed myself with the thick end of a pool stick that we kept mm. next to the bed for security, figured yeah. I'd go down with a fight. And then a young boy and girl appeared in my bedroom doorway, dressed in period costume as they would wear at Sovereign Hill, which is a tourist mm. attraction just over the hill. A lot of people might know of Sovereign yeah. Hill. It sort of recreates that period, doesn't yeah. it? Back to Janine's message, I remember thinking they must have been on a school camp and somehow ended up in my house. They smiled at me. The little girl waved and into the wall they went. I felt a huge sense of calm, which mm. I found fascinating because that's what you felt. And yes, you had not it's uncanny. Them. Yeah. No, no. So we have not talked for 27 plus years. So when she relayed that, and in my message, you can see that's why I sent you the whole message so that yeah. you knew that I wasn't retelling her the story. Yeah. I just said to her, you know, do you remember how we talked about, you know, on the way back from the car, you know, and sort of said I saw two little children in your house. But she she told her, her details and it just I kind of went, well, even on that day back on, on the drive back from the day spa when we, you know, it, we were both sort of kind of wide-eyed and going, okay, <laughs> all right. So what we what we saw was two children. There was no internet, so we couldn't sort of search for a history. I thought possibly, you know, we came up with the ideas that maybe they died in a tragedy, died suddenly, um, and they were looking for their parents. Janine writes here as well. She says, I asked a friend at the time that, dabbled in the spirit world and she said that ghosts especially kids tend to get stuck in loops of the life they knew and the places yep. that they knew still when they were a yeah. child it's almost like a game they're playing so yeah listeners uh, of mine will know that I've interviewed um, people before there are a few that stand out like my lovely friend Danielle who seem to almost specialise in helping children that are lost between worlds and searching. Danielle's story is very much about children who contact her and they're kind of, they appear to be stuck between dimensions. And like your little girl and boy that you saw, they are yeah. searching for their families. They're searching for home. And it's a very poignant thing, isn't it? Mm, no, I, it, was, um, it was an experience that stayed with me for a very long time. I've never mm -hmm. forgotten that story and never forgotten the experience it's like it happened yesterday could you know I can remember it in detail like it happened yesterday and my listeners will get cranky with me if I don't ask you exactly how they looked and what they were wearing so you told us that she seemed to be in a little nightgown so what age would you think that she was I probably say she'd be between nine and eleven uh, you know it's, it's hard to tell with kids these days but yeah the boy looked around about four I'm guessing four or five yeah, so around those ages, I wouldn't say she was still very young. I wouldn't say she was a teenager or anything like that. She was a teenager. And how close was she standing to you? Very close. It was it was like almost um, at the you know like you you stand close to the bed to yeah. look over someone. Yeah, that close. 
and the little boy was, you know, like head peeking over the doona trying to look at me. So, so that's a very moving experience that you've had on this little getaway that you've gone on with your partner and you've seen these <laughs> children two days in a row and then you've had the experience with the the lady of the house confirming it in a way yeah. what you have experienced. Yeah. So how then did you, you know, move on with life and put that out? Did you just pop it out of your mind or we know that we more did, we talked come? <laughs> Yeah, we, we did. We, we talked about it, obviously, that day and sort of mentioned it more, um, to our partners that night and they were they were fairly dismissive as as it would be. You know, they were just like, oh, yeah. And we left it at that. Oh, it's a weird coincidence. But, you know, Janine and I, we knew something had gone on. But like I said, if we'd had a chance to sort of um, maybe, you know, use the internet and try and work out, you know, if there was a history in the house mm-hmm. or et cetera, et cetera, and, yeah, again, there wasn't Back access, then, so. that's right. No. All right. Well, you mentioned another key story, Chrissy. So do you want to share that one with us as well? Okay. So this is another one that was a strong experience for me because, again, it was, it was proved to be more than a coincidence or just a dream. I uh, had recently met my new partner that I'm now married to. We met actually in the Northern Territory teaching, not actually at the same school, but um, we met... Uh, just through a mixed netball group. Anyway, I had come uh, over to his place in Victoria to stay over New Year's Eve, just for the holidays. He lived in an older house that uh, they'd had since childhood. It was on a farming property, you know, lots of acres, that sort of thing. Stayed there for a few nights and one of the nights I had a dream again where I sort of woke I felt and I saw a young man he was rather tall dark haired long hair not anything really outstanding in what he was wearing he had a look like to be a t-shirt and jeans on and he was just walked into because we were, we were staying in um, my partner's old bedroom he just walked into my partner's bedroom and was sort of you know walking around and like he was part of the furniture um and and I've done my usual I've kind of sat up and gone and screamed the place down (laughs) and um woke up and went you know woke everyone up in the house and they were going my god are you all right I'm going yeah I'm fine 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 I just had a bad dream so you didn't Um, tell them in that moment yeah no I didn't I just I was trying to calm everyone down because everyone's you know you've just sort of woken everyone up and you go no no that's fine I just had a bad dream oh you know and I sort of knew what I dreamed and I thought about it and I was sort of didn't, you know, worry about it too much the next day. I thought that was weird. Okay. And then, yeah, maybe it was like the next trip that um, I saw this particular ghost again. So that was that. It was done, whatever. The next trip I was, I stay, I was staying there. We were actually in the lounge room area on a blow up bed because there was other people staying in the house. And I again woke up in the middle of the night but this time it was the same, it was the same man, but he was directly over me. So if you can imagine the, the blow up bed, I was laying down and he actually leant over the top of me and it was like he was looking at me from that sort of angle, that, that close. He wasn't sitting, he was like leaning over, he had like he had, it felt like he put both hands by the side of my head and was looking over the top. I actually felt the 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 um, blow up bed go down at the compression of him leaning in, and just as I was about to let off a big scream again because I was like, oh my god, I just felt again this complete calming, peace and relaxation. You know that it's okay. Um, he was just, I think, checking me out to sort of say, you know, who are you? I kind of fell back to sleep again or went back into a deep sleep, whatever and woke up the next morning and um, I don't know how we got into a conversation about it but I was talking to my partner's mum maybe I mentioned that my uh, I had a dream again of the of a, a boy or a guy walking around in the house you know my partner at the time was sort of like oh okay that's weird but his mum actually says so well what did he look like and I've described him I said he was tall he had long hair he was very kind of lanky you know like big guy but lanky and kind of what I remember about him anyway 
and um, I sort of sort of said nothing, you know, nice features in his face, that sort of thing. And she kind of looked at me and then went and got a retrieved a photo from somewhere of Scott with a group of friends. And, I, and she's gone, not this guy, is it? I've gone. I've looked at the phone. I said it could be, you know, but why would he be in my dreams? Why would I be dreaming about this guy? And then she um, kind of explained that about three or four years earlier that this man that I was seeing um, had died and was one of Scott's best friends. So Scott is your now husband? Yes, yep. So he was, uh, they were very close. Uh, It happened, he died tragically in a car accident where it wasn't his fault and it was very traumatic for the family and one of the reasons why uh, Scott left to go teach in Alice Springs is because he was a bit lost, you know, Mm. after his death. So he travelled and met me. So when I saw the photo, I've just gone, yeah, this, this looks like the guy I dreamt about. And I kind of felt, well, okay, so, and I know they were very close and so Scott never spoke about it. Is not one of those people that sort of, and we'd only just really been started our relationship, so wouldn't have come up, I don't think, yeah, um, in conversation. He was very private, yeah, and I, I remember him sort of when his mum was showing the photo, he was kind of getting a bit defensive, like, don't bring those out, don't bring those photos out. So when I saw the photo and I went, oh my gosh, this is your friend, Paul, I think, I think what it was, and what I believe is that he was sussing me out saying you better be good to my good to my um best friend here so if you look after him (laughs) very beautiful it is such an amazing experience and of course it does have parallels with your other experience of seeing the children because like that time you were away from home and like that time you had two separate experiences of the same spirit and the third thing was of course the calming feeling you know, that yeah. both, both of yeah. those encounters shared, which is really, really intriguing. And, and of course, the biggie is that they were verifiable to yes. a large extent, which is amazing. And that's, yeah, it's just to think like what it, you know, we just don't end with the physical body, do we? Like, you know, Scott's friend well, yeah. um, to yeah. see what's happening here in his life in this next new phase. Well, I'd like to, you know, that was, it would be very comforting to think that your loved ones would come back and, um, you know, close friends even sort of would come back and, and check in to see that you're okay and life's going well for you. Yeah. And perhaps that is, that is, we could, I guess we could entertain the idea that that is always the case. However, there are some of us only that for whatever reason, as all of the big mystery, some yeah. of us can see that and feel it and sense it and others not so much, not so readily. And you're one of those, Chrissy, who can. (laughs) Thank you for sharing both of those stories. They are amazing. Now, I think I mentioned to you when we first began talking, Chrissy, that I haven't done an interview about ghosts on Spirit Sisters for a while, and I thought it was time to do that. And, And what I did mention at the beginning of the podcast too was I just love this idea that, you know, your stories they, they give us a hint of another way to look at the classic ghost story because of the calming feeling of, and also with, with Scott's late friend really just coming to show that there's still this bond of love, almost guardianship, which is, which is really lovely. So I'd like to ask you about that, about all of these years later, you know, you began to see and sense this other realm when you were about seven or eight And back then you didn't really, of course, you didn't really understand what you were seeing or experiencing. And now, you know, you seem to have come full circle and are understanding. This is what I'm gathering through our correspondence. And I'd love you to talk about this some more. Just come full circle, understanding the spiritual significance behind seeing a ghost, because I too have come full circle in my work. And that's why in Spirit Sisters, I tend to share now more stories of a spiritual lifetime, more spiritual journeys across a lifetime and, you know, Mm. mystical experiences and whatnot, rather than sort of the, this is what I saw this night kind of experience. It's expanded, it's an expansion. So I wonder if, um, if you are sensing that too, and especially when we think about the experiences that you've you've had recently too with with bereavement and so what it all means to see a ghost and then to connect it with today wow big big question there lots of thoughts i think 
I, initially, you know, when I was younger, it was, a, it, it was very frightening. And so I reacted like any normal person would in an, un, you know, something unusual or scary happens, you know, you act terrified. Whereas now I feel over the years, it's more of a special experience. If there's something I, I experienced something like that, I think we're all energy. I think this is true in the spirit world as well. I think whatever energy we harness in our life, we take with us in the spirit world. And that's been my experience. Uh, if you're a kind and loving person in your life now, then that will come through in the spirit world as well. And just with my brief encounters, this is what I've experienced. I don't think, you know, I don't think people necessarily go to heaven or hell. I, I don't believe in that. I think that we go somewhere and I think, I don't know, this is a strange thought, but I think we can come and go. Some, some spirits all can come and go. They can be in the world that they're in and they can be in our world. I don't know your thoughts about that. I agree with you and based on all of the uh, all of the interviews that I've done over the years I've interviewed people who just like you have woken up to these figures looking at them with intense curiosity mm. and sometimes there is a real sense that they they are just as surprised to see you as we might be mm. to see them so I really I really think you're right with this idea of coming and going and it is an intersecting of dimensions and in a lot of spiritual literature, there is this idea that, you know, their, their world, if we call it that, is just kind of layered above ours and it's or, or almost simultaneous, but we just can't mm. stop it for the most part. For the most part, there are some of us that have mm. this, this talent that is slightly more honed or, or very much more honed and that mm. we can, like mediums who can see, you know, spirits looking like flesh and blood people and, and yourself. I guess your qualities are those of a medium, Chrissy. Have you ever sort of thought of that? I probably haven't thought about mediumship, but it's something now that sort of could be a possibility. Not in great, you know, I haven't thought about it in great, a great deal of thought. That's what I mean. But, yeah, possibilities mm. there. I think because of, um, you know, my experiences and now that I've come full circle and I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable with it, a bit more calmer about it than I was initially, maybe, yeah. So do you think you might want to, yeah, you might want to focus more on that aspect of yourself and, and develop it perhaps? Definitely, yeah, definitely. And, that, and this is sort of by hearing other people's experiences, this is, I mean, I've always been interested, uh, but I've always been sort of on the outer. I've been cautious because, um, like I said, I didn't know what I was dealing with. And a lot of the time um, I'd hear stories, you know, people would sort of say, oh, you shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be dabbling with that or you know, looking into that. You could open up things that you don't want to and all this sort of stuff. So that sort of put me off a little bit. But, yeah. I'm, I probably with age now I'm feeling a little bit more and my experience just my experiences with my beloved you know my loved ones that I, I don't feel that um, I would be in too much peril if I looked it in, into things exactly and so if I asked you to look back and tell us about the experience that has most affected you throughout your life in terms of these encounters which one would it be Probably the children, yeah. And I, I guess because it stayed with me for such a long time um, and, you know, there was unanswered questions, like I don't know what happened to them for mm -hmm. sure, what's mm -hmm. happened to them. So I have been looking to it. On that note, on that note, <clears throat> it's been a recent discovery, very recent, that you have made, which, which is, I guess, bringing you closer to putting those pieces together. Do you want to tell us about that? So after I initially contacted you and told you my story, um, you sort of put me in on track to have a, a, a search on a website, which I did because initially I thought, you know, that they must have died suddenly. It was something tragic. So I was looking at sort of the newspaper articles about two siblings that were killed, you know, suddenly or tragically. 
I couldn't, you know, it was like finding a needle in a haystack really. Um, and we didn't really have a date or a time. So, it was, you know, you could be forever searching. So what I, I, I did sort of like trawl the internet and what kept coming up and, you know, appearing was um, information about a Ballarat orphanage. And there was uh, an orphanage that is five minutes drive from where the property I stayed at. Amazing. Amazing. That just chills me. And I'm reading here on your notes. So that was in operation, the Ballarat District Orphan Asylum, Mm. in operation from 1909 to 1968. And you've written here, it apparently has quite a dreadful history of child abuse. And there was even a lawsuit Mm. brought against it by 14 former wards back in uh, 2002. So that abuse occurred in the orphanage in the 60s, which would seem yes. to be decades after the children lived. Mm, mm. But uh, go on, yeah. rolling through the yeah. photos. Oh, yes, as I was, yeah, you want to read that bit then? Yeah, you said scrolling through some of the photos, I noticed the clothing. Tell us what you saw. As I was looking through, because I was looking for historical photos or anything I could see that I could relate to what I'd saw, uh, I'd seen in, in my, with the children, and they did. They had the sort of white nightgown so that you could put the black pinafore or something over the top of it so I was thinking that's similar to what I saw this girl wearing it mm-hmm. sent chills down my spine I was like oh gosh these could be two children that were orphaned and were looking for their parents it makes makes sense like I said thought it was a um they were killed in an accident or something like that you know as we know, you know, in times gone by, often children were left at orphanages, orphanages mm-hmm. not only because their parents died but because perhaps one parent died and the other couldn't cope and they would leave mm-hmm. them there sometimes for a time and then that time would just extend. Very, um, very sad circumstances. So it's a moving story. I won't forget them thanks to you. And mm-hmm. Maybe, who knows, maybe we'll find some more. And your story, as I said to you, Chrissy, it reminds me of a story that's in my second book, Where Spirits Dwell, called Girl in Gingham. Very similar idea, two spirits, and then we found a place that was very close to the site where the apparitions had appeared. And so I feel like just because it's not exactly on the site, that Mm. needn't, you know, that needn't... um, you know, just exclude that possibility, especially when you've seen two children that are looking for their parents and here is this orphanage, you know, five minutes away. It's extraordinary. Mm. Mm. I had no idea that we were that close to it. I don't know whether it's in, I think it's a cafe now. I'm not sure because okay. I haven't been to Ballarat for a long time, but the original site Maybe someone in Ballarat can clarify that. (laughs) Yeah, and who knows, perhaps someone listening has more information. Please do share with us. And Mm. in the meantime, are there any closing remarks that you'd like to leave us with, Chrissy? Uh, Thank you first for the experience. This has just been um, very grateful. So thank you. Oh, thank you Um, for coming on. Pleasure, pleasure. I think if there's anything we can take away from this is my experiences have been very humbling and have probably taught me to live my life very mindfully. I think also if there's something you really want to do in life, make way for it, you know, try and put some steps in place to achieve it because you never know if you don't try. That's, you know, I think is that overall message of from stories like this where things have happened or tragedies have happened where I've had encounters with spirits that maybe didn't fulfill something in their life. So, yeah, if there's something you want to do, do it. (laughs) Don't put it off. I think also too, don't be afraid to be impulsive because here I am today with you, Karina, talking about my my experiences. So go for it. Thank you, Chrissy. I love your closing remarks on so many levels. I think these stories about the afterlife should really instruct us in how to live this life, you know, walking on planet Earth in our three dimensions. If they can support us in that, I love that idea. That's so wonderful. Thank you for reminding us of it. It's really great. (laughs) It's so lovely to see you and speak to you. 
Likewise, likewise. And see, my other podcast recording setup didn't work, but it the benefit is we're looking at each other and that is really nice. <laughs> Thanks, lovely. Have a beautiful week. You too. Thank you. I'll be in touch and I'll let you know if I find anything else out about okay. the children. Yeah, watch this space, everybody. I think we're going to find out some more. We're on it. Bye, Chrissy. See you later. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review the show. Have an experience you'd like to share with me? Get in touch at my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. 